Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Good job, guys. Thank you for singing that song. All right. Well, good morning. He is risen. It's so good to be with you on this wonderful Easter Sunday. I pray that you and your family are safe and well uh, and that you are enjoying this beautiful day that we have. God is with us. He is here. And his presence is felt in our house and in your house. Uh, it goes forward forth throughout the entire world, and we're so happy and grateful today uh, for Easter Sunday. So God bless you. God bless your uh, your place. And we're going to start with uh, some worship. We're going to have some worship this morning, and then we're going to have a, a little sermon and a benediction, and we're going to pray for you guys. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for uh, your death. Thank you that you were willing to endure a horribly painful death and experience all the cruelty and selfishness that we are capable of doing, each one of us, but that none of that had any power over your life and your love, and that you've um, risen, and that I also thank you that you are showing us, each one of us individually, when you rose from the dead that first time, you appeared to people in just the way that they needed to, um, to believe and to experience your life. And that you continue to do that. Just um, thank you for that, Lord, and that we um, have that eternal life available to us right now in our own lives. And that you're willing to show us how to, um, how to live that out. And just thank you for this service. Thank you for all the things you're going to show us and for the rest of this special day. Bless Stephen and thank you for filling no. with your spirit. Jesus' name. Amen. No. Amen. Well, bless you guys. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I want to start uh, today as we kind of transition to uh, looking at the word and, and looking at. Um, the Easter story, which we're going to go through today. But I want to take uh, take a moment and start with a, a letter and read a letter to you. This is a letter written by a young German pastor in a Nazi prison uh, at Easter 1943. And this is what he writes. He writes this to his parents. He says, my dear parents, today, 10 days have passed and I'm allowed to write to you once again. I would really like to like to let you know that I'm celebrating a happy Easter here. What is so liberating about Good Friday and Easter is the fact that our thoughts are pulled far beyond our present and personal circumstances to the ultimate meaning of all life, suffering, and indeed everything that happens. 
and this gives us great hope. Since yesterday, it has become wonderfully quiet throughout the building. One could hear many people call out Happy Easter to each other. And without envy, one wishes that everyone who carries out their difficult duty in here be granted the fulfillment of that wish. In this silence, I now also hear your Easter greetings as you are gathered together today with my brothers and sisters and are thinking of me. And I want you to know that as we're gathered here together, uh, even in our own home, and I know that you're in your home or your place, uh, I hope that you also feel our Easter greetings present with you. He is risen. I think about uh, that moment, that pastor in his cell, separated from his loved ones, and yet he's able to find something in Easter which brings their presence close to him. In John's gospel, which we're going to read from in a moment, uh, Easter morning is recounted with a similar sense of loss, which that pastor must have felt, a similar sense of separation. This is what it says in John 20. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, while it was still dark, the disciples were hiding in fear. They were behind locked doors. They were behind shuttered windows. And they peeked out, fearful of what their neighbors might be thinking, fearful that their neighbors might turn them over, might turn them in as Jesus followers. I was in Safeway the other day, and I noticed the same hunted look in people's faces as we were shopping. Finally, Mary Magdalene. It says, uh, whom Luke and uh, Mark write, uh, Jesus delivered from the oppression of darkness and of evil. Mary Magdalene decides, I'm going to go to the tomb. I'm going to go and I'm going to anoint Jesus's body with oils. And I'm going to pray there and cry there. And so she gets up, she sneaks out, she unlocks the door for a moment. Maybe they lock it behind her. And she goes out, and this is what it says as we continue. It says, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. And reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth, which had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. There's something perplexing about the resurrection, something odd about it, something that we can't quite understand. Since the beginning of the human existence, death has always haunted us. Researchers, uh, social scientists call this terror management theory. It's the idea that much of our life, much of the the way that we conduct ourselves from our reproductive habits to who we vote for in local and national elections is driven by the idea that we understand our own mortality, that we understand our own death. 
And it's into this very real, very present anxiety, which we're feeling acutely today, that the resurrected Jesus steps, that the resurrection happens. What does death mean after Jesus is resurrected from the dead? What does death mean? 1 Corinthians 15 says this. It says, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead came also through one man. And this new reality where death comes undone, it catches us off guard. Dostoevsky, he wrote this, he said of the resurrection, love has triumphed over logic. So too the disciples are caught off guard. They're not quite sure what they're seeing, what they're experiencing. Even though in verse 8, it says that one of the disciples looked in and believed. In verse 9, it says that they still didn't understand what was going on. And in fact, in verse 10, we find they've returned to their homes, back to their locked doors and their shuttered windows. Beloved, there are some for whom the resurrection still makes no sense. It remains a question. It remains confusing and peculiar. Even after perhaps years of hearing about it and listening to it and hearing the story again and again. They may be watching this video. And after the video is done, they may return back to their closed doors and their shuttered windows and ignore the truth of what the resurrection is bringing. That's what the disciples did. Well, not actually all the disciples. In fact, let's let's read on one particular disciple. Mary. Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put them, where they have put him. It's amazing to me that her grief was so complete, so, uh, so overwhelming that even when two angels appear to her and ask her a question, she has nothing to do but to respond as honestly as she can. Her grief is so complete, it's almost as if she didn't even notice the angels there. They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, sir, if you carried him away, please tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic. Rabunai, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Into the, our confused world, a man appears, just like to Mary. Into our tears, our fears, our cares and anxieties into our dealings with death. We're so focused on it, still so focused on the tomb that we don't recognize 
a man has stepped near us. Death has clouded our vision. And we weep, even though life is standing two meters away. And Mary doesn't recognize it. How many people see Jesus on the daily and yet fail to recognize him? Lord, help us to recognize Jesus when we see him. Help us to recognize him. And she begins to plead with this man that she sees. Please, sir, I, I won't tell anybody. If you took his body away, I won't say a word. If just tell me where it is, I'll go and get it. Please, just tell me where it is. I just, I just need to be near his body. Death has become so powerful in our minds today. And she's so overcome with grief that it isn't until Jesus says, Mary, that the spell is broken over her. And that Mary breaks through. It breaks through her tears. It breaks through her fear. It breaks through her anxiety about where Jesus is. Jesus's word breaks through all of those things. Watch as her whole countenance begins to change, right? Instead of looking towards the tomb, she turns, looks to Jesus. She's overwhelmed with joy. She cries out in an affectionate way, teacher, my teacher. And she begins to hug him and hold on to him. Even so that Jesus has to say to her, don't hold on to me. Don't hug me. I have a task for you, Mary. I have a job for you. There's purpose to this. There's purpose to you being here. Death cannot remain in control when the resurrected life appears to us. Death cannot remain in control when the resurrected life appears. Jesus rose from the grave and he broke the power of death. That is truth. He undid its power. And Mary becomes the first preacher of the gospel. The first one to share this good news to everyone. That death has been defeated. Let's go on. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. She said, I, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. It's amazing to me that even after learning about Jesus's resurrection, even after seeing and witnessing the empty tomb, the disciples still decide to go back and shelter in place, so to speak. They lock their doors, but Jesus bypasses their locks. You see, not death, not fear, not anxiety can ever keep out life. Life bursts forth. Life undoes the bonds of death. Life undoes the bonds of grief and despair. Life steps into sorrow and lights up the room with hope and joy. The disciples are acting out of fear, but Jesus breaks into their lives, into their fear, and he says, peace be with you. This year, the world cannot give us a greater illustration of this story 
as we are locked inside our houses, as you are locked inside your house. But the reality is that Jesus is going to break through those locks. He's going to bypass the fear and the anxiety. He's going to bypass death and appear and say, peace be with you. Peace be with you. We join the disciples, not in a church, but behind our doors. And Jesus is coming to be present. Death cannot abide where the resurrected life appears. At Easter, we realize that God is here to put things right. He's here to make things right again. There's so much in the world that's wrong right now. So much in the world that is wrong. But God is going to make it right. He's going to put it right. Even today, God is at work. He's at work among the doctors and the nurses. He's at work in every hospital and every clinic and every home where there's somebody sick. He's at work there. Nurturing, nursing back to health, giving hope and joy and peace, even in sickness. God is present there in a lab where scientists are working hard to develop immunizations and vaccines. God is present there. His work is going forward. The resurrected Jesus is a reminder that death has been defeated and that God is still at work righting the world. Jesus' words to his disciples at the end of his time with them are to go out. He says to them, forgive others their sins and they will be forgiven. In other words, the power of life, the work of the gospel is extended now from Jesus to those who follow him. The resurrection life, which is present in Christ today, is now present in each of our lives as we accept him. And as we live for him, Clarence Hall wrote this, the resurrection of Jesus changes the face of death for his followers. Death is no longer a prison, but a passage into God's presence. And the apostle Paul wrote this. He said, where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us victory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Christ is risen today. I want to end our time together with a short reading. And then we're going to sing another couple songs. Um, this reading is uh, another note. This one's from our own Rhody Harold. Um, she leaves notes for me sometimes in the church office. And I get to go see them and read them. This is what she wrote. And it, and it really touched my heart. And I, I told her I'd like to share it. And she gave me permission. She said, some come to the altar, but where they need to come is to the cross, to take off their heavy backpack and lay it down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is well able to carry their load. Brothers and sisters, that's where this begins. That's where the resurrection life of Christ begins. It begins there at the cross. And then on Easter Sunday, it breaks through your doubt. It breaks through your fear. It breaks through your anxiety. And all of your tears and weeping. And it brings peace into dark places. And it brings light to your hearts. I'm going to have Amy close us in a benediction. We're going to sing uh, another song. And I hope that you're having a wonderful Easter. I really do. God bless you. And, and Amy, can you read for us? No.
to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.